can we th- <clears throat> thank Kendra and our team for uh, helping us get there? Well, uh, let's see. I'm going to see. I got a little note here. The fundraiser. Apparently, there's more than one Ponos. And I was told by the um, <clears throat> person that runs Christian Life Center. <clears throat> you might think it's me or the board or the leadership. <clears throat> Capitola Road. It's the one you want to go to. So that's what I was told. And uh, like every pastor before me, man, I'm just doing what I... <laughs> I'm in trouble for that. <clears throat> hey, I'm so glad you are here today. Um, if this is not yet your uh, home church, uh, we're hoping and praying it can be, uh, if that's what the Holy Spirit wants uh, for you and for us. Um, and we are starting a brand new series today. This this might be this might be a great thing if you're new, or this might be a um, wow we came on the wrong day. But <laughs> the series is Family Matters, right? Family Matters. Double entendre there. Uh, but family does matter, right? I mean, it's kind of the core of everything, really. Um, and, uh, and we're going to talk about Family Matters in this series about Family Matters. Did, did you follow that? Did you catch that? <clears throat> Stick with me. And I thought to lead it off, why not just go right at the topic of marriage? Let's just go right there. Now, now, for some of us in the room, you know, you're not married. And um, so just be patient. You know, so some of us in the room, we're, we're, you're not married and you want to be. Others of you, you're not married and you're good. Well, I've got so much more to say. I probably shouldn't say it. Uh, but we're going to talk uh, and look at what the Bible talks about marriage just you know, briefly. Uh, I could do a whole six-week, eight-week series on marriage, but I'll spare you uh, <laughs> the details. Uh, but we're going to look at today what the Bible says specifically about love and respect in marriage, which the Apostle Paul talks about in Ephesians. And we're going to get there. Before I want to lay a foundation in Genesis 1 and 2, uh, the Bible, 66 books in the Bible, and God, like, front ends the idea of marriage, right? The very front end. He talks about relationships. Uh, we, we, have a, we have a desire, a yearning for connectivity in a healthy way, a godly way, uh, because God wired us, designed us that way in relationships, and right out the gates in the book of Genesis, this idea, this concept, this description of marriage, what we call marriage, is given. Now, Sharon and I have been married for nearly 32 years. 32 years. I mean, clap for her, seriously. I'll, I'll own it. I'll own it. And, uh, and I call those 32 years 30 of the best years of my life. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? Some of you are going, 30? That's impressive. So, <laughs> oh, year six and seven. That, that's, a, that's, that's three cups of coffee right there. We're, we're not going to hit that today. 
But uh, that, that was quite a challenge. <clears throat> if any of you have ever had four children in seven years, you might understand what I'm talking about. Anyways, uh, we got through it. We got through it. Uh, so I want to look at this foundation laid in uh, Genesis 1 and 2. I want to get to Ephesians 5. So let's kind of read. I'm going to read uh, uh, Genesis 1, 26 uh, through 28. And we'll hit a couple, kind of highlight a couple areas here. But marriage is critical, and, and the Bible's real clear about what it is. A lot, a lot of uh, teaching on it. Uh, so verse 26 says this. Then God said, let us, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Now, we understand this idea of male and female because when the two come together for procreation, uh, the, the plan of God continues on, continues on, right? And the seed's so critical for so many reasons in the scriptures, not only for the, the human race to continue, but we know one of the core scriptures in the Bible is Abraham and his seed, his lineage, leading to Christ. So this idea of seed is all throughout the Scripture. And it comes from this design God has for male and female coming together in union. goes on in verse 28. Then God blessed them. Everyone say blessed. There's a blessing in marriage. There's supposed to be a blessing in marriage. <laughs> there, there, there's, there's a favor of God in of marriage. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. That word fruitful, probably a better word for us today is be productive. This is why the Bible, especially in Proverbs, is so strong against being lazy. Right? I don't know if any of you have ever worked with a lazy person. Don't yell at any names, please. But there's a reason you wanted to go take a few laps around the block when you're near that person and, like, cry out to God in real holy language, hopefully. Uh, or maybe you've experienced, oh, I don't want to get too close to home here, but you've experienced a lazy child. I'll never forget when we were raising our kids, and I asked one of them to do something. I, I still twitch over it. And uh, every time their response was, I will, oh, we, we were miscommunicating. Because I don't know about you, but in our world, our household, I will means I won't, and I'll forget all about it. Whew. Put me to the test. But be fruitful and multiply. So be productive and have children. You can have children. So we've, we've had four. So Sharon, congratulations. I think we, we've done, we've, we've, I hope we've met that standard, whatever that is. We're all different, of course. And he says, fill the earth and govern it, rule over it. That's kind of part of our vocation as Christians, is to help oversee God's creation. You realize that, right? You realize that? That, that has not left us. That's still why we're here. We're in partnership with God with his creation. The entire earth is the Lord's. Everything that's in us is his, and we're to help oversee it. 
Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals. Scurry along the ground. Then in chapter 2, in uh, verse 18, a little more expansion here of this idea. He says, uh, verse 18, chapter 2 of Genesis, Then the Lord said, It is not good for the man to be alone. And every man in the room said, Thank you. You know, man is alone for, for like more than three days. There is no telling what's going to happen. Right? Uh, men, men should all... Now, I'm not a woman, so I can't speak on behalf of the ladies. I'm guessing six days, but I don't know. I'm getting advantage of that. But for the guy, after three days, we, we need a friend. We need a dog. We need a, a spouse. We need some connectivity, some relationship, some accountability. We need something. So it's not good to be alone. And God knows that. So God said, I'll make him a helper who is Israel. Amen. Verse 19, so the Lord God formed from the ground all the animals, all the birds. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. The man chose names for each of them. Verse 20. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still, there was no helper just right for him. So, if your dog's your best friend, that's a good start. Good start. And dogs are pretty awesome. They're, they're the only creature on earth where you you say goodbye to them, they're all excited, and, and you forgot your whatever, and you come back like 30 seconds later. And they, they greet you like they haven't seen you for a year. But they're still just a good start. Anyway, verse 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took um, out one of the man's ribs, closed up the opening. Many of you know the story. Uh, then the Lord God made a woman from the rib. I'm not going to crack any jokes about that. They're just too old. I can't do them anymore. And he brought her to the man. And verse 23 is a great verse. At last the man explained, this one is born from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. At last, he said. And, and my, I, I have a, a vernacular translation of that word, at last. It does have an exclamation point. And it was, yes! That's, that's, kind of, that's my interpretation of it. Yes! Thank you, Lord! Verse 24. This explains, everyone say explains. Keep connecting the dots here. Why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. Leave and cleave. Leave and cleave. Leave and cleave. Half of my marriage counseling I've has been because one, two, have not left mommy and daddy. Come on, I'm, ta- I'm talking to somebody. I know it. I know I am. We all struggle with this. We struggle with this. Sharon and I struggled for years. We struggled with this. Several years. Uh, we both... Um, 
we, we love both our mothers. Mine's in heaven now. And hers, thank God, is still here. We, we love them both. And they, they were very invested in our marriage. Come on, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Started at the wedding. Before we were married, there already there were already ways that we, we didn't realize we were going to live out our lives, and that led to a lot of conversations. But leave and cleave. So this is so critical. This idea of when you get married, the two of you are creating a brand new nucleus of a family. You still love your family of origin. You still respect them. You still honor them, right? But they no longer are your priority. Boy, I've had so many strange looks in counseling sessions with those words right there. The person next to you is now your priority. I do marriage counseling if some of you are like ready to elbow each other right now. I'm here for you. So you you, you leave, that emotionally leave, you you attach, now you detach, then attach, leave and cleave. And then the two become one. So this whole process is critical in becoming one. That's what God's goal is for us to become one with our spouses. Now the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Praise God. Now I'm going to roll into Ephesians 5 and kind of just go a little deeper here as far as marriage. It's so critical to understand this. And, and here's hear this up front. Um, what Paul's about to teach is really about us and Christ even more than us and our spouse. Does that make sense? In marriage, he's going to talk about love and respect. Mutual submission, love and respect. Mutual submission. Man, say these words with me. Mutual submission. So you can't get those words out of your mouth. It's all right. Mutual submission, love and respect. If, if you can get this figured out, you will have a thriving marriage, right? Mutual submission, love, respect. And ultimately what he's talking about here is us and Christ, us and God, even though it's in the context of marriage. It's funny, his language in this teaching in Ephesians 5, he's going to weave from our earthly families to our godly relationships. Because your marriage reflects your relationship with God. Let me, let me up front put it this way. How I love Sharon is a direct, in direct correlation with how I love God. There's no difference. I might want there to be a difference. <laughs> I might tell myself there's a difference. But God's just going, no, not one degree of difference. And how she respects me is exactly, oh, this feels so good to say, is exactly how she respects God. Do you believe that today? So mutual. So verse 21 in Ephesians 5 says this. And further, submit to one another at a reverence for Christ. Submit to one another. He's a roll into marriage here. Submit to one another out of reverence. I remember years ago, 
Bible versions always have the headers. You know how the Bibles have headers in the different sections? They always have the header for marriage after verse 21. Are you following me? Recently, it's been just above verse 21. And I think it's a way better place for that header on marriage. See, there, there was teaching in the church for years that the submission was a one-way street. Come on, somebody help me out. Mm, I, don't, I, I don't see it that way. Not in Ephesians. I think Paul's pretty clear here. Now, let me talk about the word submission. Because in, in, in our culture today, it's a word. Some of you are already twisted over it. Just hearing the word submission. So I'll say it again. Uh, <laughs> but, but as Christians, here's, here's when we love the word submission. Jesus Christ submitted to the will of his Father. Aren't you glad? Well, now we're happy. <laughs> now we like the S word, right? So we've got to understand, we gotta, we gotta, this is where culture and kingdom clash. We've got to keep kingdom above culture. As Christians. I'm not talking to the world. I'm talking to Christians, right? We're in the church. So in further, submit to one another. Why do we submit to one another? See, if you're going to only submit to your spouse when they deserve it, I can just drop the mic and pray and walk out right now. If you're going to only serve your spouse when they deserve it, it's, it's all going to be relative on, on the bar you set, right? But the Bible says we are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the key to understanding the health of marriage and relationships in general. It's why the Bible says to love even your enemies and to pray for your enemies. Why? Because you're doing it out of reverence for Christ. You're not doing it because they deserve it. You're not doing it because they, they agree with you culturally. They have your same values. They have your same, you know, whatever, your worldview. That's not why we love and serve people. We do it out of love for God, right? So here's what he says, verse 22. For wives, this means. Now, notice verse 25 also. It says, for husbands, this means. So he's going to break down the mutual submission, first for the wives, and then for uh, the husbands. And uh, and just so you know, verse 33 kind of summarizes it uh, by talking about uh, the man loving the wife and the uh, woman respecting the husband. Respecting the husband. So here's what he says, verse 22. For wives, this means submit to your husbands because he is awesome. Is that what it says? Submit to your husbands because he's a breadwinner. Is that what it says? It says, do it as to the Lord. This is the key right here. I know some, if you're a random person, maybe experience yourself, but they won't forgive somebody because of a hurt or a word or whatever. And, uh, and I think the idea is they're not going to do it until the person grovels or asks forgiveness or whatever. 
But we forgive people, not because of their response to us, because of how we've been forgiven. That's what the Bible says. We forgive because we've been forgiven. We don't forgive because they deserve it. I don't know about you, but i got a high bar for deserving. It's pretty high. It's like some hurts, they're not going to ever earn it. Ever. Like ever, ever, ever. To the grave, not going to earn it. But I forgive them. Why? And here's the irony. When I forgive, it's always to my benefit. Every single time. Every time. This is true of these principles on marriage. Right? When, I, when, when, when the wife respects her husband as unto the Lord, the wife is going to be in a right relationship with God, and God's going to bless and honor her in spite of him. <clears throat> this is so critical to get. <laughs> now, if they're both doing it, then, then, then the whole marriage is blessed, right? Unto the Lord. Verse 23, for a, a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. Uh, he is the savior of his body, of the church. So again, he's, he's, he's a weave in marriage and the church. Can't help it. Verse 24, as the church submits to Christ, as the church submits to Christ, so the wives should submit to their husbands and everything. Now, let me just kind of flesh this out. Sharon came up with this, uh, kind of the context of this teaching. Because Sharon's got some pretty um, how can I put this? strong opinions. And she's usually, I'm going to give her at least 80%. 80%. She's uh, But uh, she decided long ago, if we ever... Like, like, here's how we operate, right? If she's strongly passionate about something, and I'm like, ah, whatever you want to do. And if I'm, like, strongly passionate, she's like, ah, whatever I want to do. Does that make sense? But if it's like a tie, we have ties. She just decided, this was so great. I don't know how she came up with this, but she goes, she said, I'll be the tiebreaker. I like that. I like that. I got to admit, that felt good. That felt really good. Felt, felt some respect. Some respect. Oh. So, ladies, um, I'm going to explain what the guys have to do here. Because this always gets twisted for me. Because uh, every time this scripture is read, it's, it's like, man, the women have the most... You know, they get the most difficult part of this whole thing. And I'm like, ah, you got to understand what the guy's responsibility is. This is at least equal. Verse 25. For husbands, this means love your wives. Now, you got to remember, again, in the Bible, when the word love's used, it's not Disneyland love. It's not dinner with flowers and music in the background. It's not what it's talking about. It's talking about when you give your word, you will keep your word. Love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Gosh, I remember when I first realized what this meant. I was like, oh, no. 
Come on, how many of you Christians have read the Bible and there are parts of the Bible you read you did not like? Come on. This is not a smorgasbord. I read it, I submit to it. Fall and be right with God. I remember when I realized, so he said, just as Christ uh, loved the church, he gave up his life for her. I remember when I first read that for years, I was like, yeah, he served the church. He gave up his life. No, he was crucified for the church. He bled for the church. He died for the church. So when guys come to my office, and they, and they do, and in the context of marriage, they go, how much is enough? Come on, guys. When I said those words, you know exactly what I was talking about. Well, you're all being really quiet right now. Honey, I don't know what he's talking about. My response is real simple. Well, according to Ephesians 5, it's never enough. Until the day you breathe your last. Now, here's the beauty, guys. Your life will be guided and blessed. You'll be in step with the Spirit of God. You'll be in relationship with God the more you lay down your life for your wife. You can cross your arms. And you can say, I'm not I'm not taking one more step until she just takes a step. And any scorekeepers in the room? Come on. Scorekeepers? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, no. Their turn. I've done my part. I've, I've gone 50-50. Marriage is not 50-50. It's 100-100. No 50-50. So, guys, you got to lay it all down. i got to lay it all down. And, and by the way, just, just so you know... I'm the pastor here, CLC. <clears throat> that is not natural for me. That is not intuitive for me. I wake up. Well, it's different now, a little different. I don't wake up going, oh my gosh, I can't wait to lay down my life for Sharon today. I wonder what else I can do. Have you guys heard us say the love languages? Let's see if I can get them all. I, um, <clears throat> A little insight to my world. So it's a great book called Love Languages. If you're married or you want to get married and you haven't read it, read it. It'll it'll be one of the best books you ever read. And uh, the the point is in the book is uh, everybody receives love a certain way. You got a primary way you receive love, and uh, they can be um, words of affirmation, physical touch, acts of service, gifts, and time together. So we took the Aaron. I mean, my kind of self-evident. Anyways, but I said, "So what's what's yours?" And she looked at me and she goes, "All five. No, 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 no. The book says you get a primary and a secondary. That's all I'm doing. But anyways, that's my world. All five, Brian. All five. All." Five. Rush, you're about to get married. God bless you, brother. All five. 
And then this verse came to mind. It's like, lay it down, Chris. Just get busy. Verse 27, Christ did this to present the church to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle. Or You see how he's weaving the church into this whole conversation? They're inseparable. If you're married and you want to get married, your relationship with your spouse is inseparable to your relationship with God. And it's an illustration of how Christ and the church operate, right? Instead, uh, she'll be holy, the church, holy without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. Now, guys can relate to that. This is about guys. We can look in the mirror no matter what stage of physical conditioning, and we still go, and everyone else is going, don't wear a bathing suit at the beach. Stop. We get this. We get this. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it. Just as Christ cares for the church, and we are members of his body. Then the wrap up here, and the um, Kendra of the band come back up here. We'll wrap this up. Um, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother. We're going to go full circle here in Ephesians. You get a quote out of Genesis. A man leaves his father and mother as is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery. Still a mystery. Chris, it's still a mystery. <laughs> But I like puzzles. I like mysteries. I'm going to keep searching. Uh, This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are full circle. So again, I say, each man must love as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. When we do this, we benefit. When we do this, we benefit. God wants us to be in healthy relationships. And I'm, I'm looking forward to having more conversations about earthly relationships and the church, God's family, here on earth. Let me pray for you. Father, God, I'm so grateful for each person here. God, I'm so grateful for your word. Father, I pray we can be people that are under your word, stand on your word, supported by your word, live by your word, Quote your word. Proclaim your word. Father God, we know your word is an expression of your will. God, we want to be in your will as individuals, as families, as a church. And God, I trust you for that in Jesus' holy and precious name. If you'd like to stand as we close in a song, that would be great.